In an op-ed from the editorial board of the New York Post, they write, Democrats need to stop holding small business help hostage. Last week, Republicans wanted to increase the amount of money in the small business loan program, a part of the coronavirus stimulus emergency package. Republicans said we want to increase it by $250 billion. Democrats said only if we negotiate and we want some social justice and specific uh, provisions added to the language. Republicans basically said, no, we just want to increase the number. And Democrats said, no, we want ideological gains. This resulted in an impasse. The Democrats blocked the bill. And now, as of today, we are finding out this loan program is out of money. Businesses will not be able to get access to these funds. These funds no longer exist. The coronavirus pandemic is seriously one of the most difficult challenges we will ever face. People are dying from this virus. In our efforts to slow the spread, we shut down our economy. We need to make sure the cure is not worse than the disease itself, but there is no easy answer. While many people will accurately point out, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and these health experts are saying we cannot reopen the economy because people will get sick and die. Others are saying, but without access to the economy, people don't have food. We're now seeing thousands of cars across the country line up to food banks. Chaos erupts in one location when people couldn't get food. They had to have some kind of registry. We cannot just let people go hungry. Calls for rent strikes. If the economy shuts down, then millions more will suffer and social order begins to break down. I don't know where the line is. I don't know what the right answer is, and I am not in government. But I'll tell you this. Our politicians have some seriously difficult choices to make. If they leave the economy where it is, people will go hungry. Some people will end up losing their lives over a lack of access to food, water, shelter, etc. If we open it up, people could get sick and die. But I will tell you this. For the time being, perhaps what we can do is provide emergency stimulus. But now we see the story. Last week, the Republicans wanted to increase the small business loan uh, program, part of the stimulus package. They wanted to increase it by $250 billion. The Democrats blocked it. They wanted to add special provisions, which included some social justice provisions. Namely, certain people would be eligible based on their gender or race, veteran status or family status. Some of those I think are fine. But I also don't really feel like now is the time to hold up emergency relief for ideological gains. As of today, it's being reported there is no money left. Perhaps the Democrats could have just said, yes, increase the amount of money. Now, I'll be honest, the Republicans wanted to just add 250 billion to this relief package, and that's not a solution either. I don't know how we solve this. I do know if people, if their businesses don't function, if they don't get relief now, these businesses don't come back. Many are shuttering their doors permanently. People are leaving cities. They're leaving their homes. They have no money. People are lining up for food. We need to make sure that we don't destroy everything in an effort to save lives. There's a difficult decision in front of us. People are going to lose their lives no matter what we do. And I don't know what the answer is, but I want to read through you some of these stories and talk about just how bad things are really getting. I do think we have a partisan problem. Many people saying, you know, the Democrats are at fault. The Republicans are at fault. But I'll tell you this right now, the message I see across the board The Republicans wanted the money to come through. They're not asking for anything special, although many people do have problems with the stimulus package. It was the Democrats that blocked this. And the New York Times, I'm sorry, the New York Post is saying they're they're holding this hostage. I want to read you this a little bit, and I want to go through the breaking news. 5.2 million unemployment claims this week, 22 million in total. 
It's going to get really bad unless we do something now. The New York Post says Democrats need to stop holding small business help hostage. I'm going to read this, but before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. YouTube is not kind to independent commentary. They derank, demonetize channels like mine. And you'll notice if you go to the homepage of YouTube, they have a special coronavirus section of the mainstream media that's getting propped up and seeing massive gains to their viewership. Meanwhile, homegrown creators like myself, yeah, we get the shaft. So if you like what I do, make sure uh, you can help out by sharing or just subscribe, hit the like button and the notification bell to get more videos like this when I put them out. The New York Post says it's beyond tragic. The loan program to aid small business hit by lockdowns is almost out of cash. Yet Democrats still refuse to okay new funds unless their unrelated demands are met. If small business closures spike, costing countless workers their jobs, Americans shouldn't forget the Democrats' cynicism. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin offered ample warning more than a week ago that the $350 billion Paycheck Protection Program would soon run dry. Now the fund may be just days from collapse. Well, I'm sorry, as of today, it's empty. There's no money left. And I know several small businesses that need that cash or they might not make it. Congress created the PPP in its rescue plan last month. The idea was to help small businesses that were ordered shut and seeing little income keep paying workers and creditors. Everyone agreed that was urgent given these businesses economic importance and the threat of cascading collapses as the failure of some small companies pushes others under. I want to make sure it's clear to all of you. Small business in no way means unimportant. Small business doesn't necessarily mean a mom and pop pizza shop. Small businesses can be profoundly influential. For instance, I run a small business and I get tens of millions of views per month. Now, I am not seeking any of these funds. My business is still up and running. As you can see, you're watching my video. Although I and other people in my position have taken major revenue hits. It's, it's, it's more than half. It's bad. But there are a lot of small businesses that have great influence that are very, very vital and important. It may be a company doing key research, perhaps to help solve the crisis of the coronavirus, but they only have around you know, a couple dozen employees. It could be specialist manufacturers. This is something everyone in this country needs. They say, yet as funds ran low, Democrats like Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi blocked a GOP push for $250 billion to save the program. They demanded more aid at once for state and local governments, hospitals, and community-based lenders serving minorities, women, and others. And Pelosi's number two, Rep. Steady Hoyer, said Monday the House won't reconvene until May 4th, threatening to let the money run out. It did run out. The tragedy is both sides agree on the need for the $250 billion. And Republicans are even open to the Democrats' other asks, but want to wait to better assess the need. By all rights, Congress should pass the one item both sides agree on now, the $250 billion in new small business funds. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the bill would only change the number 350 to 600. Lawmakers could also fix the law's unclear language and other flaws, like how much of a loan can go for non-payroll expenses and still qualify to become a grant. But as McConnell said last week, Democrats shouldn't block vital aid that they support just because they want other things too. Partisanship, after all, should take a backseat during this crisis. Unfortunately, partisanship, partisanship has brought us to this point. Small business loan program out of money amid impasse over new funds. I do not believe that's fair. Impasse. 
The Republicans said, just increase the number. We'll talk later. The Democrats said, no, they wanted other ideological provisions put in. Now you can argue oversight is good. I think that's fair. The challenge right now is that we're in an emergency. I mean, we're seeing people's civil, civil liberties curtailed. And within reason, some people are begrudgingly accepting that we can't go out. Certainly there are police who have gone too far with it. Don't get me wrong. But we're all willing to accept we don't get everything we want. If someone is injured and you have a first aid kit, you don't sit there and say, we're not going to use this one until we get the one with the unicorn on the cover. We want the special art. No, there are things we can get later on. But the first thing you got to do is stem the bleed. The Hill reports the initial $349 billion pool for emergency loans for small businesses derailed by the coronavirus pandemic has run dry as Republicans and Democrats squabble over how to replenish the relief program. I do not agree with that framing. The Republicans said increase the number. The Democrats said no. The Treasury Department and Small Business Administration have tapped the entirety of funding allotted for the Paycheck Protection Program, which offers forgivable loans to small businesses. We get how it works. Uh, They say created through the stimulus, which we understand. So I guess that's the gist of it, right? We understand right now that we've run out of money. Well, Republicans are going on the attack. The Hill reports Republicans are stepping up their attacks on Democrats for holding up $250 billion in new funding for a popular small business lending program that has only $25 billion left in its account. And a day later, that money is all gone. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy blasted Democrats for demanding concessions in order to refund the program. The GOP leaders warned the Small Business Administration will have to stop accepting applications for the Paycheck Protection Program, which provides forgivable loans to employers who keep working on payroll once the money runs out. Democrats have spent days blocking emergency funding for Americans' paychecks, and now the bipartisan program has run dry. This did not have to happen, McConnell and McCarthy said in a joint statement. It has been stunning to watch our Democratic colleagues treat emergency funding for Americans' paychecks like a Republican priority, which they need to be goaded into supporting. Funding a bipartisan program should not be a partisan issue, they continued. The notion that crucial help for working people is not appealing enough to Democrats without other additions sends a strange message about their priorities. And this is their priority. They wanted extra provisions added, some of which was social justice related. I don't get it. I will tell you this. The American people see this problem and they understand what's happening. A Gallup poll recently came out showing that approval for Democrats has gone down and for Republicans has gone up. One of the first times the trend has flipped. Typically, Democrats have more approval than Republicans, but something's happened. I don't know what. I'll tell you what. It gets difficult for me every day to even look at my own content where I'm like, man, I sure do rag on the Democrats a lot, right? How about that? But it's not the Republicans trying to gum up this provision. Everyone agrees they need to replenish this fund because people are losing their jobs. They're going hungry. It's the Democrats who demanded more. I don't know what you want me to say. Now, people on the left are slamming Mnuchin because he claimed that people are going to have to survive on $1,200, this, uh, the Trump bucks, they call it, for the next 10 weeks. I don't think he's happily telling people they should do this or thinking they're going to be able to you know, live comfortably. I think we're in a serious emergency and everyone's trying to do what they can. But you need to understand the more money they pump into the system, that's not a solution either. Republicans want to increase the number. That's great. It'll stave off the, cr- the collapse, you know, for another couple weeks or so, but it's coming. 
and we need real solutions. For the time being, this does make sense. I can't blame them for wanting to increase the number, but we can't just print money. It doesn't work. Right now, we are seeing how bad things truly get. 5.2 million people have now filed unemployment claims, bringing the number to 22 million. Listen, I understand that pandemic takes priority and people will lose their lives from this virus, but you can't put 22 million people in harm's way. At a certain point, we've got to solve this problem somehow. Perhaps there's no solution. Perhaps no matter what we do, things will get bad. But I do not understand why the Democrats want to stall on this small business uh, program. These people losing their jobs. Guess what? Now that the money has run out next week, it will be substantially worse. More businesses will now have to shutter. They will have no access to funds because the Democrats didn't want to increase the funding. You know what this means? Next week, when we see that next big number, 5 million, 6 million, whatever it might be, maybe 4 million, it's going to be on the Democrats because they were the ones who blocked this. It's just the way it is. Look, I get it. There's reasons to criticize Republicans, but this problem we're facing right now could be solved. Vox says the new unemployment filings are so high, only the Great Depression compares. The numbers are staggering and probably underestimated. I cannot believe I am sitting here reading a story about how the Democrats don't care. And Nancy Pelosi goes on some late night show showing her freezer full of ice cream. It's, it's mind numbing to me. Like, I get it. Trump goes golfing all the time. I'm not a fan of that either. But it's the Republicans saying, get the money out. What do you want me to be mad about? I, don't, I, I see these, these, these elitists trying to investigate Trump, doing these oversight hearings and launching inquiries. And in no way is that helping anyone. And the Republicans said more money to small business, stop the unemployment crisis. And what do we get? Democrats said no. We'll see what happens in November. But in the meantime, there's going to be a major ripple effect. Over at the Gothamist, they're reporting tenant advocates call for mass rent strike on May 1st as landlords seek bailout. Landlord is a job. Certainly landlords are presumably wealthier than many of the average people living in their properties, but the properties need to be managed. You might live there for a year or two or three, but they have to manage that property for a th- on a 30-year mortgage or more. They have to pay for maintenance. They have to hire a groundskeeper or a building manager. It's not the easiest thing in the world. I'm not super sympathetic to landlords, mind you, but you have to understand the economy flows. You pay the rent. They use that to pay maintenance workers, custodians, groundskeepers, administrative assistants. They have to pay their banks. The banks then pay. Without this rent, another portion of the economy takes a major hit. More people will lose their jobs. Now, I don't blame the tenants. They don't have money either. You know why? They lost their jobs. You know why? The Democrats obstructed the relief package. They are exacerbating the problem, and it's getting scary. Take a look at this story. Food pantries struggle after coronavirus-led unemployment rises. Once again, the root being the Democrats are not approving this. Okay, I get it. I'm being a little hyperbolic. Listen, right now, we are going to see the unemployment crisis get worse. What we're seeing at these food banks is not the direct result of what the Democrats have done. It's, it's, it's the coronavirus pandemic, and we're all trying to do the right thing. But next week, when we see these new unemployment numbers and it gets worse, just know that the Democrats could have stepped up and stopped this, but they don't even want to reconvene for another two, for no, for another two weeks. So it likely won't happen. I hope it does. I hope this video becomes completely meaningless in the next few days when they step up and say we're increasing the budget on this stimulus program. These food banks are struggling. They are being they're they're being crushed under the weight of the desperate, the people who have lost their jobs, who can't buy food anymore. 
Check out this story. Hundreds of Mississippi families turned away from a mobile food pantry. And they say chaos erupted at the Landers Center in DeSoto County after South Haven police turned away families in need of food for not pre-registering for the mobile food pantry. Quote, everybody was trying to pull out because they're like, okay, I can't get anything, so I'm leaving. Eventually, they opened up food for everybody. We're not at the point yet where people are tearing down fences to get the food, but we are dangerously close. If you don't want to provide relief, then you need to agree with these governors and the president when they say it's time to reopen the economy. Now we're hearing several governors are saying they're going to extend this to May 15th. Trump says he absolutely wants to start reopening things around May 1st. I don't know when the right time will be. I'll tell you what, these food banks can't go on. Look at this photo. For those that are listening, let me describe it. Cars snaking around a parking lot, probably several hundred lined up to get food. And there's more. Now, I I think these volunteers who are filling these bags, providing this food, these are heroes. Thank you all so much for doing what what you're doing to help these people who have no access to the economy due to unemployment and the virus. But these photos are amazing. Look at this. People wait at their cars Thursday at Trader's Village for the San Antonio Food Bank to begin food distribution. 10,000 people seek San Antonio Food Bank help. Eventually we run out. But these photos and videos are all over the internet. Lines of cars going several blocks, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people trying to get food. And some people have said, maybe we'll just give the food, you know, from farms to food banks. Let me tell you about economic collapse. Let me explain to you what's really going on. Many people mock the economy. I've seen photos, even Elon Musk. It's like a meteor hitting the earth. Oh, no, the economy. The dinosaurs watching the meteor slam into, you know, fly to the sky. Oh, no, the economy. It's funny to pretend like the economy doesn't matter, but it does. We are hearing stories of about three to four million gallons of dairy, of milk being dumped because the farmers can't do anything with it. We're hearing about farmers taking their crops and just shoveling it back into the dirt because they can't do anything with it. Some people have said, just send that food to the food banks, right? The food banks are running out of food. The farmers should just give the food to the food banks. Yeah, it sounds great. And it's something that a small child might consider when they don't understand how the system actually functions. You see, the dairy producers have raw milk. They send it to a processing plant. It gets bottled and shipped out. If the processing plant can't sell or distribute any milk because stores and businesses are closed, they can't buy from the dairy farms. There's no money. They can't do it. If the dairy farms can't send the milk to the processing plants, they dump it out. You can't send raw, unprocessed milk to food banks. What would people do with it? In fact, in many states, it's not even legal. The same is true for the vegetables they grow. What are, they gonna, what are the farmers going to do? Give raw wheat and corn to food banks? What is an American going to do with that unprocessed food? Now, I'll tell you what, perhaps we should be a little bit better at what we do, you know, in terms of survival and learning how to eat more natural foods. But the fact is, the economy is a complicated system. In this story from Fox News, dairy farmer, why excess milk cannot simply be sent to food banks and homeless shelters. They show us a photo of this floor, what appears to be covered in dumped milk. They just dump it out. And that's, (laughs) I got to say as a side, that's awful. I don't know if you've ever been in New York, but the whole place smells like sour milk. I can't imagine what this is going to smell like. But the reality is, it's exactly what I just said. They, they, they mentioned there's so much involved. Here's what it says. There is no food bank in the United States of America that can receive an 8,000 gallon tanker truck of raw milk. I mean, it's not even legal to sell raw milk in most states, let alone who could process or package that. So the dairy farms are suffering because of the flow in the middle. 
a plant that's set up to process 25 pound bags of mozzarella cheese can't switch over like that and start bottling milk to give it to homeless shelters or food banks. Mason concluded. I mean, it's a really complex food system that a lot of folks just don't understand. That's true. Well, here's where it gets bad. A second coronavirus wave will crash over the U.S. this winter and will last until March next year with 1.4 million infected, Morgan Stanley predicts. This may be a couple of years. You know, I often say when I talk about war, conflict, crisis, civil unrest, our view of history is condensed. We look back at the Great War, World War I, World War II, and we read about it, but we get the highlight reel. They don't tell us about that one day in the summer that no one really cared about where, you know, somebody woke up, cleaned the dishes, had some food, went to bed. We only hear about these key strategic moments. So right now we're dealing with a major pandemic. In 100 years, they might look back and say the pandemic lasted from 2020 to 2022. And people will say, wow, just like the, the, the Spanish flu lasted for about a year or two. Not realizing that we in it have to live for a year or two under complete lockdown. I don't know what the right move is. I'll say it for the millionth time. But if this is true, you will see civil unrest. You will see, you will see food riots. We're almost there already. And it's been what, like a month? People chugging up the food banks, getting turned away and chaos erupting. People want food. People need food. The economy is in dire straits. We are people, 22 million people out of work. No way to keep these businesses running. And it's been one month. What do you think happens if we go for another year? You know, a, a new a new report from Harvard says lockdown until 2022 on and off. What do you think happens then? It's not going to work. I'll tell you what, we're going to see protests we are going to see chaos. We've got, we've got governors and various uh, jurisdictions trying to suspend civil liberties to extreme degrees. Drinking alcohol can make the coronavirus worse, the World Health Organization says, in recommending restricting access. Now you're going to lose people. Look, I get it. Unemployment can get, can get bad. But they always tell you, when it comes to an economic recession, there's two things you can, you can run in a business that are going to save you. Now, one of those things is alcohol. Or or the idea is, if the economy is bad, alcohol sells. And if the economy is good, alcohol sells because people drown their sorrows and people celebrate. But alcohol is always there. I'm not a big fan. I don't drink. But I'll tell you what, you you take a hungry person, an unemployed person, stressed, panicked, their family has no food. The stimulus packages run dry. The Democrats won't won't re up it. They're sitting there thinking, what do I do? I need to drink. I need to calm down. And they go to the liquor store and what do they say? No, because it's bad for you. You can't have it. What do you think that person's going to do? You take away their booze. It's like the last reprieve a person could have. I'm not a fan of it. I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend probably meditation or something. But some people are going are gonna to want it. And it's their right to drink alcohol if they want. And if it's not there, because we're already seeing liquor stores close in many places, it just adds to the problem. Now, listen, I don't think the principal factor in a total social breakdown is going to be whether or not someone can get a beer, but it will contribute. Ultimately, we are seeing protests. Here's a story from the Daily Mail. Protesters in MAGA hats and flying Confederate flags swarm Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, Utah, and Wyoming to demonstrate tyrannical and unconstitutional lockdown orders that are worse than the virus. I should say to demonstrate against. It's going to keep happening. It's been a month. As they, if they take away booze, you'll see a lot of people joining. A lot of regular people normally don't care. But if the food's not there, politics don't matter anymore. I've seen it and we'll see it. If there is no food for someone and they can't get their job and they can't get paid, 
they're going to show up to a food bank. When the food bank runs out, they're going to jump a fence. They're going to loot a store. In Italy, when a ferry that was bringing food to Sicily stopped coming and the food was running out, people started organizing raids on Facebook saying everyone should show up and loot the store and take what they can. And then what comes after that? All I'm saying is do not ignore the economy. Do not act like it's silly and doesn't matter. The world isn't free. People have to do work. We support each other. But when the system stops, the machine has stopped churning, things start to break down fast. The Republicans tried to put a Band-Aid on it. Not a solution at all. The Democrats said, no, Band-Aid, let it bleed. And now it's going to get even worse next week. So listen, I know it's probably (laughs) obvious that I'm going to say it because I frequently just rag on the Democrats all the time anyway, but I do believe it's their fault. I really, really do. Listen, you can, you can come to me and complain about the Republicans. You can say Trump did a bad job, so he takes the ultimate responsibility. That's fine. Go ahead, say it. I'm not going to argue with you, all right? I'll tell you what. Okay, if that's the case, then what can we do today to help the millions of people who have lost their jobs and have no food? Perhaps we could agree to increase the amount of money we're giving to small businesses to keep them running and save the lives of these people who would otherwise lose their jobs. If you don't like Trump, that's fine. Please complain about him all day and night and join me in asking the Democrats to just pass this bill. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I don't know if there's bad stuff in there. Probably is. But in the end, what's the alternative? Complete social breakdown? People starving to death? Yeah, look, I get it. You can, you can strike when it comes to your rent because you'll live in the house. But you can't strike when it comes to food when there's no food. We'll see how things turn out. I hope it turns out for the best. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel, and I will see you all there. I think my favorite word right now is be clown, meaning to make oneself into a clown or used in a sentence, Jim Acosta has beclowned himself by defending China. And then CNN, his own outlet, reports that national security is looking into whether or not a Chinese biolab is the source of the virus. Or how about Jim Acosta beclowns himself by defending China when the Associated Press says China withheld crucial information from the world, allowing the pandemic to break out. That's the Associated Press. So now we got a story from Fox News, the AP and Jim Acosta's own outlet. Now, I I would like to lead with the big story. U.S. explores possibility that coronavirus started in Chinese lab, not a market. But let me be honest with you guys. We all knew this. Zero Hedge reported this information and they got banned from Twitter because of it. Social media says anybody who is not the mainstream media, you are not allowed to talk about these things. Even me. I, had, I have to submit a, a request basically where I'm like, are we clear to talk about this now? Google, are you good on this? Because what will happen is they will demonetize and derank my videos. Now, I assure you, you've certainly seen all of my videos talking about this. Yes, demonetized and deranked. Nothing I can do about it. But I'm still going to talk about it. And if it means, you know, I'll ultimately get banned or whatever, well, there's nothing I can do. But now the mainstream media has finally caught up. What's funny about this story from CNN, they reported this at midnight, 1238 a.m. this morning. Jim Acosta tweeted his stupid defense a couple days ago. It was during some press briefing. I think it's, it's, it's not fair to necessarily connect the two. Jim didn't know CNN was going to report this. But I would say it aged like fine milk. We knew. Jim, did you, do you have Google? You could read all of these reports, the Washington Post reporting this one on like April 3rd, that a Rutgers professor saying it may have escaped a biolab. We need to consider this. Tom Cotton in January. You can ignore all of the signs you want. 
And then you beclown yourself when you come out consistently defending China and the World Health Organization when everyone else in the world knows what's going on. This is performative journalism this guy's doing. It's not journalism. It's, it's performance reality TV. No matter what Trump says, it must be bad. The dude sits there thinking like, hmm, what can I say to, to make the president look bad? Well, here's the, the, the uh, story from Fox News. Don Jr. blasts Jim Acosta for saying Trump is scapegoating China for virus. Maybe time for a name change from CNN to ZNN. But I got to give an honorable mention to uh, Mr. Elon Musk. Elon Musk tweeted this. Uh, so hold on. CNN tweeted three weeks after Tesla CEO Elon Musk said he had obtained more than 1000 ventilators to help Californian hospitals, California hospitals, treating patients infected with the coronavirus. The governor's office says none of the promised ventilators have been received by hospitals. Elon Musk responding on Twitter. What I find most surprising is that CNN still exists here, here. Good, sir. Good, sir. I must say, Elon, I appreciate the criticism. It's funny. Let's read the story from Fox. They say, At Tuesday's coronavirus press briefing, President Trump announced that he was halting U.S. funding of the World Health Organization after several errors that were made. Critics say shielded China from scrutiny. During the briefing, Acosta shared a running list of scapegoats he accused the president of blaming. He goes on to make a big list of which he says the World Health Organization, members of news media, Democrats in Congress, governors, not himself, China and the Obama administration. Ooh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to pick this one apart. How about we start with the World Health Organization, the Associated Press, the bastion of good journalism in this country. Yeah, believe it or not, one of the most trustworthy sources said that China knew there was human human transmission on January 14th, withheld that information. So let's talk about the World Health Organization. On January 14th, they tweeted, China says there's no human human transmission in early data. That was a lie or it was misinformation. Now, you could argue China lied to the World Health Organization. It's not their fault. Okay. Uh, well, then Trump said we shouldn't fund them because they were giving us bad info. Okay. It's, it's not accusing them of malice, but incompetence. Or it could be that the World Health Organization knew China was lying and covered for them, which other mainstream outlets have, have suggested. In which case, Trump blaming the World Health Organization is sound. They're either incompetent, malicious, or both. Because we didn't know about this, everyone in the world had a delayed reaction and China knew. So I, I think I can knock the China one off the list, Jim. Scapegoating Trump, uh, Trump is scapegoating uh, China. I'm sorry, man. Data would suggest otherwise. How about members of news media? I mean, I'm literally rebuking that claim right now. You guys are awful. Chris Cuomo claims that he's in isolation just on, on the 14th. They ran a segment or it was like the 13th or 14th. Sanjay Gupta, doctor, talking to Chris Cuomo, who's in his basement. He's like, oh, I got a fever. I'm sweating. And Sanjay says, oh, you can't leave isolation. Well, guess what? On Easter Sunday, a witness claims that Chris Cuomo, two women and three kids were seen in a property in the Hamptons, not a house. It was a brand new property he was buying. There was no building yet put up. It was just a frame. What was Chris Cuomo doing? The guy actually asked, isn't he supposed to be isolated? Chris Cuomo confirmed the encounter on his radio show. It's Trump scapegoating. Members of the media, when you guys go on primetime and lie, which you did definitively confirmed by Chris Cuomo, I'd love to see more people talk about this. Then yes, when Trump blames you, I'm going to go ahead and say "Ah, Trump's got a point. When you then try to run defense for all these organizations, you're proving Trump's point. Democrats in Congress. Well, what is Adam Schiff doing right now? uh, Investigation, 
uh, preliminary fact finding. Is that helping anybody? No. Nancy Pelosi oversight committee. We're going to we're going to investigate. You know, man, I get it. You don't like the president. But if Trump is going to call them out, what do you want me to say? I don't look, I can't tell you what the Republicans are doing. But right now, the Democrats have publicized they're coming after the orange man. I don't care. I'm so sick of it. So sure, the governors, Donald Trump isn't scapegoating the governors when he says it's on them. It's their responsibility. CNN simultaneously reporting Trump is trying to put the onus on governors, but he also doesn't have the authority to to uh, reopen the economy or make the governors do anything anyway. So which is it? The, The governors are either in control or they're not. When Trump talks about the economy, they say Trump has no authority or he wants to have the authority. But when it comes to everything else, Trump is the authority. You, you, you can't report both. OK, now I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give Jim this much. Donald Trump certainly scapegoats these organizations more than I believe is probably fair. But we're talking about organizations. I mean, look, the Democrats in Congress, I, I roll at that. It's politics. I don't care. The governors, actually, a lot of them have praised the president. I wouldn't say he's scapegoating. He's just saying that they got, they got to take care of it. Now, the World Health Organization's done bad. The news media's done bad. China has done bad. The Obama administration, I think, is silly. You can always, you can always blame a previous administration. So I, I actually, you know what? I actually agree with Jim on that one. Trump is, to a certain degree, scapegoating the Obama administration. But doesn't the Obama administration, like, it's not so much that the Obama administration did something wrong. But if Trump inherited bad masks and ventilators, well, that's not necessarily Obama's fault because Obama didn't predict it. You could argue that he just inherited. So I wouldn't even necessarily call that scapegoating, I suppose. Trump Jr. spokesperson, Andrew Sarabian, knocked the reporter saying, well, that didn't take long. CNN's Jim Acosta quite literally defending running interference for the Chinese Communist Party. I'm sure Xi sincerely appreciates the tweets. You can't make this stuff up. Don Jr. tweeted, maybe time for a name change from CNN to ZNN. It's much more fitting. Now here, now, now I want to, I want to actually get into some breaking news. All right. There's a reason why I didn't lead with these stories. Notably that CNN is now reporting about the market because first of all, I talked about it multiple times the other day and we all knew this. Like if you're watching my content, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, oh man, I should probably tell people that CNN is now reporting this. And I'm like, we all know, we, we all knew this. I did, I did, we, we did a live pod. So we, I have the podcast for those that aren't familiar. It's youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Check it out. Subscribe if you haven't. Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. We did a segment, what, like two weeks ago, where it was like mainstream media now reporting possible biolab, Wuhan, et cetera, et cetera. We even knew before this. I think I talked about it in February. Uh, a, a paper came out from South China University saying, boom, there it is. Now, I got in trouble. I say trouble. I got demonetized and deranked. You know how it goes. Confirmed by manual review. You can't talk about this. YouTube issues its editorial guidelines for what we're allowed to talk about, specifically saying, you cannot claim that the coronavirus came from a biolab. Oh, I can't. Don't worry. I'm not. CNN is. Fox News is. And, 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 and the Washington Post. Need I go on? And the Daily Mail. You might not like any of these outlets. You might say some are biased, some are. I don't care. They're all saying it. But I can't report on it. But we did talk about it. So I'm thinking, you know what? If I just made a video, I'm like, oh, here is the biolab. People would be like, dude, we know. We know. Jim Acosta, he should have known. He should have, but he didn't. And now we have the update. So first, I want to show you the story from Fox News. For those that didn't see it, we, uh, this came out just last night. It's a huge, huge, uh, huge scoop. Brett Bayer reporting, sources believe coronavirus originated in Wuhan lab as part of China's efforts to compete with the US. 
This morning, Dr. Oz on Fox said he doesn't agree. The science he's seen would suggest it's a weird mishmash of things that no human would put together. If, if it was a random mutation and weird, you know, combination of things, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced that proves one way or the other. The other. Look, I get it. Dr. Oz is a doctor. I wonder who Brett Bayer's sources are. I think Brett Bayer is an extremely trustworthy guy. So this is a huge story that broke last night. China has responded. China says World Health Organization has said no evidence coronavirus was made in a lab. Wow. The World Health Organization says it. Oh, China. Oh, of course. I'm so sorry that you were falsely accused in this way. The World Health Organization. Oh, well, that proves it. That that proves it that on January 14th, they also published misinformation that the Associated Press has now debunked. So I'm not interested in playing these stupid games. But I, you know what I will tell you about? I'll tell you about this. This is a story from the Washington Free Beacon, April 15th. Media ignore report on Wuhan labs cited for hazardous coronavirus research. Media failed to update stories that dismissed lab scrutiny as conspiracy theory. Many media outlets have ignored a new report showing American officials warned in 2018 that research at a Wuhan super lab could create a pandemic, even as reporters branded lawmakers conspiracy theorists for suggesting a potential connection between the lab and the coronavirus outbreak. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas was pilloried in the mainstream media for questioning the Chinese regime's claim that the deadly virus was passed to humans in a Wuhan seafood market. In a February 16 interview with Fox News, Cotton floated the possibility that the outbreak may have originated at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, China's only top-level biosafety lab that researchers, uh, researches human infectious disease. Publications from the New York Times to the Washington Post and CNN wagged the finger at those who suggested a potential connection. Cotton's claim may not be as evidence-free as his critics suggested. On Tuesday, the Washington Post's Josh Rogan uncovered a series of 2018 State Department cables that warned of poor safety measures at the Institute, which was conducting work on bat coronaviruses and possible human transmission. U.S. Embassy officials were so troubled by their observations that they informed Washington of the risks, encouraging greater American assistance to the lab for the important but dangerous research. The revelations have not caused the media to reevaluate their treatment of cotton and others who warned about the lab. Reports of the New York Times, Washington Post and CNN did not respond to requests for comment about whether they plan to update past pieces that characterized scrutiny of the lab as fringe theory. In a February 17 piece headlined, U.S. Senator repeats fringe theory casting virus as communist party weapon. The New York Times's Alexandra Stevenson reported that cotton had spread a, ta- a tale that resonated with fellow China hawks on the right. Cotton was also tagged in an April 8th piece from Times blogger Max Fisher headlined, Why Coronavirus Conspiracy Theories Flourish and Why It Matters. Fisher focused on Cotton's suggestion that the virus could be a Chinese weapon. Later amending the article to note, Cotton said that was one of several possible explanations. Yes, Tom Cotton. Well, he's a Republican, so everything he says must be wrong. The media is blinded. They're, they're, they're swimming in a pool of their own farts. They smell nothing but their own refuse, and they all... I'm going I'm, I'm to try and keep it more friendly. They're all standing in a circle, patting each other on the back. I made a comment before that was more adult. I had people message me saying, hey, man, my kids are watching, listening when I play your stuff. Uh, so they're all standing around each other, shaking, shaking each other's hands, patting each other on the back about how smart they are and how stupid everyone else is. And being that they all are in cities, it's unsurprising that they tend to be more in alignment with liberals and Democrats. Therefore, 
when Tom Cotton comes out with the very astute observations that, well, it's very likely it's a natural mutation, a natural source. These things have happened all the time. There is a biolab. We should consider any and all possibilities until we know for sure. Hey, that sounds smart and reasonable. And what did the media end up doing? This major smear campaign. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago, people ran stories saying that Tom Cotton deserves an apology. And you know what? That is, is, is never been truer than it is today. If even CNN is now coming out saying, well, the US government is looking into this, perhaps you should apologize to the man. Check out the story from CNN. They say, US intelligence and national security officials say the United States government is looking into the possibility that the novel coronavirus originated in a Chinese laboratory rather than a market, according to multiple sources familiar with the matter, who caution it's premature to draw any conclusions. Was this a rebuttal to Fox News because Fox definitively said sources say, yes, this happened? Perhaps. The theory is one of multiple being pursued by investigators as they attempt to determine the origin of the coronavirus that has resulted in a pandemic and killed hundreds of thousands. The U.S. does not believe the virus was associated with bioweapons research. And officials noted the intelligence community is also exploring a range of other theories regarding the origination of the virus, as would typically be the case for high profile incidents, according to an intelligence source. The theory has been pushed by supporters of the president, including some congressional Republicans who are eager to deflect criticisms of Trump handling, handling of the pandemic. I love it. CNN couldn't help it. They had to make sure they jam in. But the president is just it's people are trying to defend the proud. Oh, you know what? Shut up, man. Look, if, if national security people are doing this, if the AP is reporting they lied, it's time to stop. OK, get on board with the rest of sane, free thinking people and start talking about what really happened. China is, is it's, you know what I called the other day? I call it like three stooges syndrome. They're not smart enough to do what they're doing. And they're going, whoop, 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 and then slipping on a banana peel and the vial shatters and then everybody gets sick. And then they go, nyar, nyar. that's what they do. They're not smart enough to handle it. That's the report that apparently was put out in 2018. The Washington Post covered it. CNN, why don't you wake up to this? Are you accusing the Washington Post of trying to defend the president by reporting on this? That would be absurd. CNN says, an intelligence official familiar with the government analysis says a theory U.S. intelligence officials are investigating is that the virus originated in a laboratory in Wuhan, China, and was accidentally released to the public. Other sources told CNN that U.S. intelligence hasn't been able to corroborate the theory, but is trying to discern whether someone was infected in the lab through an accident or poor handling of materials and may have been may have then infected others. U.S. intelligence is reviewing sensitive intelligence collection aimed at the Chinese government, according to the intelligence source, as they pursue the theory. But some intelligence officials say it's possible the actual cause may never be known. Right, right, right. We get it. I'll tell you what. China's denying it. China's also reportedly doing like nuclear tests. They're sending a strike group around Taiwan and near Japan. They're freaking everybody out. I'm not convinced it was a bioweapon. I think that's a bit too much because we were talking about this the other day. And if it was a bioweapon, they would have released it in the US, right? I think this, this very easily discredits with, to a certain degree. Because think about it. The Chinese government has been desperate to blame the United States for this. They've tried claiming it originated here. Oh, look, people had, you know, the, the, remember the e-cig thing that happened where people were getting sick and their lungs were, they were, they were in the hospital? They're like, ah, see, this proves it. It was not actually e-cigarettes. It was actually coronavirus or whatever. That, that no, it doesn't. It's e-cigarettes, man. People were, were getting bunk cartridges or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. Something like that. They're getting vitamin E acetate or whatever. 
China was desperate to blame the United States. And as it turns out, it originated in Wuhan. And that's to me enough to say, look, if this is a bioweapon, they would have made sure it came, came, it was released here. And then they could have just said, see, look, it's America's fault. And that would be bad because it is bad for China that this is their fault. They, they don't properly handle their materials in these bio labs. And now the whole world is, is suffering because of it. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen afterwards? China's going to have to pony up something. They are looking really, really bad. This is ultimately bad for them. So I, I always tell people like people think it's a conspiracy or whatever. I'm like, dude, Donald Trump is not in alignment with the Democrats on this conspiracy with Europe and China and all these other countries. Like there's no grand globe. Like the Trump, these are people who don't like Trump, right? They're not conspiring together. So when it comes to what China is doing, I wouldn't say that Trump and China are certainly not. That would be ridiculous. And then you can see how China has been reacting. Man, they're not going to come out of this looking good. They're losing a lot of money. Their economy is tanking. They're going to see something like a 10% recession. Uh, I don't believe that reaches depression levels but it's going to be a major recession for their economy and it's going to hurt them bad. So for now, what do we know? There's reason to believe that the US government suspected this could happen. Numerous reports going back to 2017 saying people feared that this Wuhan lab was not being run properly. We then get an outbreak of a virus. It doesn't mean it was created as a bioweapon. It was part of a research. That's what, that's what Fox News is reporting. China lied to the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization provided disinformation, misinformation to many other people. China's lying about it. So I guess I'll wrap by saying this. Jim Acosta, we get that you don't like the president, okay? But perhaps you should calm down a little bit because you are outside of mainstream thinking on this one. You got the AP, CNN, and Fox News now saying, hey, check it, and, and the Washington Post. And you are so in, in, insistent on opposing the president every step of the way. You're now defending China when other mainstream outlets aren't doing that. Enough calm down. The performative art, whatever it is thing you're doing doesn't work. And you know what? We heard from Chris Cuomo. He thinks it's all ridiculous. He tried to walk it back. Uh-uh, not buying it. So as CNN goes on lying about Chris Cuomo's isolation, which they're doing, complete lies, let's all remember that Jim Acosta was defending China when people, when no one else was willing to do so. I'll leave it there. I will see you all in the next segment at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next time. If you're paying attention, it would seem like the U.S. is getting dangerously close to some kind of escalation of war. I don't know exactly what it could mean, and it's possible it's just because we're paying attention. We're seeing confrontations in Southeast Asia. We're seeing confrontations in the Persian Gulf. A U.S. aircraft carrier has evacuated around 80% of its personnel over the coronavirus, and it could just be. This kind of stuff happens all the time, and we ignore it because people in the United States are preoccupied with, I don't know, sports or, you know, internal political squabbles. But now we're seeing a few stories that I think are a little troublesome. The Wall Street Journal reporting China may be doing nuclear tests. And this, the lead, nearly a dozen Iranian naval boats are filmed harassing and taunting U.S. Navy warships in the Persian Gulf during dangerous hour-long exchange. Apparently, there were even some warning shots fired. This may be as far as I can tell, one of the uh, as close as we've gotten in a long time to a uh, a direct I don't know. Well, it's hard to explain. It's hard to know where the line will be, which actually sparks war. Obviously, Iran shot down a passenger plane only a few months ago. Seems like forever ago. But as the coronavirus wreaks havoc on the United States economy and hinders our our armed forces capabilities, or at least creates the perception of it, I think it's entirely possible that the US, uh, the adversaries of the United States might take advantage of this. Dare I say, the possibility of war is increased 
as people are becoming scared and desperate, economies are taking major hits, trade lines are being shuttered. We'll see how things play out. But let's read this story first. And I've got a bunch of other stories to show you. Apparently, following this strike group, uh, the, the, Chinese, uh, the Chinese Communist Party sends a strike group near Taiwan, uh, Taiwan. A U.S. reconnaissance plane flies overhead. So everybody's getting a little bit on edge. The first story, though, has to do more with Iran. The Daily Mail reports, nearly a dozen Iranian naval vessels repeatedly harassed and made dangerous approaches to American ships conducting operations in the Persian Gulf near Kuwait on Wednesday. In a tense exchange that lasts more than, more than an hour, a group of 11 ships with Iran's Islamic Republican, uh, I'm sorry, Islam, Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard repeatedly crossed the bows and sterns of the U.S. Navy's Bahrain-based Fifth Fleet at close range and high speeds, with one passing within just 10 meters of a Coast Guard cutter. The dangerous and provocative actions increased the risk of miscalculation and collision, a statement from U.S. Central Command said, adding that U.S. commanders on the scene retain the inherent right to self-defense. The American vessels include the USS Paul Hamilton, a Navy destroyer, the USS Lewis B. Puller, a ship that serves as an afloat landing base, and the USC GC Maui. The ships were operating with US Army Apache attack helicopters in international waters, the statement said. US forces issued multiple warnings via bridge to bridge radio, fired five short blasts from the ship's horns and long range acoustic noisemaker devices but received no immediate response from the Iranian vessels. Okay, so I don't, I don't think it was actually ordnance. I think it was they were firing sounds. Eventually, after about an hour, the Iranian ships acknowledged the warnings over the bridge-to-bridge radio and then maneuvered away. Iranian officials did not immediately acknowledge the incident, which comes after armed men, also believed to be from Iran's Revolutionary Guard, seized a Hong Kong-flagged tanker on Tuesday before, uh, before later releasing the vessel. The semi-official Fars News Agency believed to be close to the paramilitary guard, acknowledged the incident in a report that did not include any comment from Iranian officials. Tense incidents remain common between Iranian and U.S. forces in the Persian Gulf, particularly in its narrow mouth called the Strait of Hormuz, through which a fifth of all the world's oil passes. Iran seized ships ships several times last summer, and the U.S. accuses it of attacking tankers in the region amid tensions over President Donald Trump unilaterally withdrawing America from Tehran's nuclear deal with world powers. Last June, an Iranian surface-to-air missile system also shot down a U.S. Navy surveillance drone that was hovering above the region. Iran argued the drone was over its territory. The attack escalated regional tensions and fueled a surge in oil prices. So let's be fair. There have been worse things that have happened. This is just another incident. And like I said, perhaps when, when we're not paying attention to these things, when we're more focused on domestic issues, it's just out of sight, out of mind. But there are many other stories. And I wanted to leave with Iran simply because this seems like a dangerous confrontation. But the major confrontation we're seeing is a lot with China. We have possible Chinese nuclear testing stirs U.S. concerns from the Wall Street Journal. Beijing might secretly be conducting small nuclear tests at its Lopnor site, a report says. I'll come back to this one because I want to show you these stories first. Elephant Walk on Guam serves as timely U.S. air power demonstration, defense expert says. So there's a a bunch of stuff that led up to this Elephant Walk. And then the the next story I'm going to show you, the the, uh, reconnaissance, the U.S. reconnaissance plane. Uh, We have an aircraft carrier. There's a big controversy over the captain of the Theodore Roosevelt. 80% of the personnel were evacuated because of the coronavirus. 
So the US then does this display of power in Guam. China sends the Liaoning strike group, an aircraft carrier along with several other vessels through, uh, you know, between Japanese, uh, uh, between Japan and Taiwan, which sparks more concern that there's escalating tensions. And now we have this reconnaissance uh, flight. Let's read a little bit more about this. And then I'll, I'll, I'll get into the nitty gritty of where I think this could possibly head to. What, what I think is important to consider right now, China is, is very likely lying about its numbers. The World Health Organization was pushing misinformation, whether it was intentional or not, which benefited China. Trump has cut off funding. We are seeing an erosion of international ties. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that Trump is shutting these things down or manufacturing is coming back. But as these bridges break, the likelihood of of real military escalation becomes more and more probable. How probable? I honestly don't know. It could be tiny fractions of a percent or it could be substantial. You know, one of the reasons why, say, China wouldn't want to engage in a direct military confrontation is because of their economic, the economic benefit from ties with the U.S. As that all breaks down, there's no upside. They become desperate. Their economy tanks. That's when people start moving towards real war. We've seen a few things that have happened in recent history, notably Iran seizing oil tankers. This is likely due to the fact that their economy is in shambles and they became desperate. We also saw Venezuela try to commandeer a German cruise liner, ramming it to try and force it into Venezuelan waters. The Venezuelan ship sank doing this because the cruise liner was a polar exploration ship vessel, which could tear through ice and their pathetic little military vehicle, little boat couldn't handle it, but they did try seizing it. Donald Trump seemingly for other reasons, sent some naval vessels down near Venezuelan waters. So we can see whether it's Iran, China, or Venezuela, the movement of U.S. military forces and an escalation with these opposing military forces, China, Iran, and Venezuela. Let's read the story from military.com. They say, with the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt sidelined nearby due to the novel coronavirus outbreak, the U.S. military on Guam exhibited a reminder of its deep bench this week in a region where global powers compete. 14 aircraft paraded in a formation known as an elephant walk along the runway at Anderson Air Force Base on Monday. Among them were five B-52 Stratofortress strategic bombers, six KC-135 Stratotanker aerial refuelers, an MH-60S Nighthawk helicopter, and two unmanned aerial vehicles, an Air Force RQ-4 Global Hawk, and a Navy MQ-4 Triton. The elephant walk was meant to demonstrate the ability to generate combat air power at a moment's notice to ensure regional stability throughout the Indo-Pacific, according to the 36th Wing website. The display was likely directed at China and North Korea, according to former Air Force officer Ralph Kosa, now an advisor for the Pacific Forum think tank in Hawaii. They want to signal that despite the problems with the carrier, we still have forces with the ability to respond, Kosa said Wednesday. We want to show we are still ready to respond. Over the weekend, China's Liaoning Liaoning aircraft carrier passed between the Japanese islands of Okinawa and Miyako and east of Taiwan. The voyage showed that coronavirus has not impacted Beijing's carrier like it has those of the U.S. Navy. An unnamed Chinese military expert said Monday in the country's state-run Global Times newspaper. However, Kaza said the Liaoning isn't a real threat to U.S. forces in the region. Chinese aircraft carriers don't make me lose a lot of sleep, he said. I wouldn't want to be in a one-on-one fight with the U.S. Navy. I certainly wouldn't want to either, even if we've lost one carrier. We've got like 20 and like 11 of them are very big. And then some of them are smaller. 
A day after the Guam elephant walk, North Korean fighter jets fired missiles into the sea off the country's eastern coast, while units launched a salvo of cruise missiles from the ground, according to South Korea's military. Nothing gets the North Koreans' attentions, attention like B-52s, Casa said. The Roosevelt remains in Guam, where four more sailors infected with coronavirus have been hospitalized, the Navy announced Tuesday, one day after a crew member died of the illness. The latest update, or one of the later updates yesterday, from yesterday afternoon, U.S. military planes spotted after China sends naval ships past Taiwan. A U.S. military reconnaissance jet was reportedly spotted flying near Taiwan's airspace, the 12th time in the past three weeks that American military planes have been detected near the area. Citing flight data posted on Twitter by a military air movement tracker, the Taipei Times reported that an RC-135W rivet joint flew over the South China Sea on Tuesday. The move comes just one day after Japan and Taipei were forced to keep an eye on a Chinese aircraft carrier and its strike group as it sailed past Taiwan, China's staunchest rival. According to the Military Times, the Liaoning and and five accompanying warships passed through a 155 mile wide strait between the Japanese islands of Okinawa and Miyako and turned south to pass east of Taiwan. Looks like here we have the, we have a, a, a photo of it. It says China's landing aircraft carrier with accompanying fleet conducts a drill in an area of South China Sea in December 2016. I'll point out it does look rather small and weaker compared to U.S. supercarriers. I think America's certainly got. Look, we've got massive technological advantages. What China does have is a ton of people, and people are the most important thing within reason. One of of the things a lot of people don't understand, especially on the left, I suppose, because they don't read about this stuff, they talk about, well, in the the Second Amendment argument, people will say that, you know, uh, we we have the right to bear arms to to reject a tyrannical government. The left likes to say you can't go up against nuclear weapons and Scud missiles and F-16s and all that stuff. And that shows that they can't, they don't actually understand how warfare works. You can't occupy a street corner with an, with an aircraft carrier. You need people to do it. So as much as we can point out, we've got technological superiority. And I mean, a, 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 a lot more firepower to say the least. That is a huge advantage. Of course, they do have a lot of people. And that's something that should be considered because people are powerful. When there's large groups that can, you know, run through a town or, I mean, look, a person, you need people. Let's just, I'll just put it that way. It's, it's that simple. The New York Post says, while the strait is wide enough to qualify as an international waterway, the move was one of concern given China's view of Taiwan as a rogue province. A spokesperson for China's Navy confirmed the ships had sailed on that route to the Taipei Times. So, so we, we know all this. The Japanese, uh, J- Japan's Maritime Self-Defense Force tracked their aircraft carrier, So the update here is basically that U.S. is now doing reconnaissance. But one of the things we've now noted, this story from also just the other day, we've got, look, possible Chinese nuclear testing stirs. I want to make sure I make it very clear. This stuff might happen all the time. And and, and I don't, you know, we don't care about it. We we ignore it. But we are seeing now in a very short period of time, what appears to be a lot of military action between many governments at a time when the world itself is in crisis. What triggers a world war? There's a lot of reasons. I mean, we've only had a couple, literally, so it's hard to know for sure. But what triggers a war? Desperation. Right now, we are looking at a lot of countries seeing a lot of loss of life. People are worried whether or not they can survive. We are seeing some countries restrict exports of food. Trade is being rescinded. Factories are coming back. International ties are breaking. We are even seeing border checkpoints between our own states. The European Union has several countries putting up checkpoints between member states 
thus undermining the entire point of the EU. And I mean, it's even it's it's crazy. Look, those are still countries within the EU. In the US, we have the we have free movement between states, but states, yes, are now imposing checkpoints. That's how much these borders are breaking down. If people are unwilling now to ship food, if the economy tanks, and we've got now 22 million people who have lost access to economic resources, thousands of cars lining up at food banks around the country, people are going hungry. What happens when the food runs out and the food banks can't provide for these people? What happens when we don't have enough food for our people? China certainly won't. I don't know. I I don't have this, this, this pulled up. But I've heard uh, numerous reports. China does a lot of importing of, say, dairy from like Australia or New Zealand. It's really interesting. They, they, they bring a lot of food up from these places. And there's concerns they can't support their massive population, which is around 1.3 billion. What do you think happens when those people start starving and become desperate? Do you think they'll just sit there and decide to die? No, they likely won't. At least I don't think they will. Can we stand up to them? Will other countries try and stop this? Potentially. But when you got 1.3 billion hungry people, moves are made. So in the US, we are seeing massive economic damage. We are seeing the crippling of at least one aircraft carrier. Probably other uh, vehicles, vessels have been affected by the coronavirus. I would be willing to bet we are substantially weakened, more so than anyone realizes. It's a bet. It's not definitive. But of course, I'd have to imagine the coronavirus is sweeping through you know, other areas of our law enforcement our domestic security, and our, 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 our armed forces. You've got these countries now seeing weakness, but it's not just about whether or not the U.S. is weak. It's about whether or not they can afford a confrontation. At a certain point, when resor- resources run bare, you'll see Venezuela, you'll see Iran, they react in extreme, you know, they're backed into a corner. They go nuts. What happens now when you combine the perception of our weakness, the opportunity they see when they're becoming more and more desperate because they too are being slammed by the coronavirus. Iran seeing what? The reports months ago, 10% of their parliament hit by this. Naturally, they're going to get worried and panicked. And what do we see? They get a bunch of 11 or so naval boats swarming a US, uh, the U.S. naval ships. Does that mean we're going to escalate into war? Honestly, don't know, man. I, I, w- I would say I'm a bit more bullish on it. I want to make sure that my bias isn't getting in the way of this because it's perception, right? If I'm, if I'm sitting here screeching about the Democrats all day and night, I'm not paying attention to this. But now that all of that is kind of going away, what do we see? fears of war, a lack of resources, and what appears to be an escalation. Just the other month, China, China sank a Vietnamese fishing vessel. But these things do happen, I, I hate to say, decently often, like often enough where it, it's hard to know relatively how, how much is too much. But China does this. They're trying to take the South China Sea. They lasered one of our reconnaissance planes, you know, a month or two ago. I don't know if that's common or not. I will say, when you see stories like this, a part of me is concerned. Possible Chinese nuclear testing stirs U.S. concern. Is this because, you know, is this story coming out because the U.S. knew about this all along and they want to now prep the American people for what may be a dangerous escalation? Or did the U.S. military and intelligence know about this? Or I'm sorry, just find out about this. I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of probabilities as to why this story is coming out. I'm willing to bet the U.S. knew about this and they know about a lot more. It's top secret, it's confidential, it's whatever. They're not going to tell us. Classified. So if this story is coming out now, you have to assume the U.S. military knew about what China's been doing for a long time. I mean, we've got satellites, right? If that's the case, this coming out, not coming out now seems to me to be like a worrying sign. What do we often see from the U.S. government? They got weapons of mass destruction. 
They've got dangerous biological agents. We saw it in Syria. We saw it with the Middle East. And what do you think we're starting to see now? China's doing nuclear tests. Uh Uh-oh. Perhaps there's going to be an escalation and we'll need to move in. Perhaps as China encroaches in the South China Sea and attacks the Vietnamese, you're going to see the USA, we won't stand for this. They've got weapons of mass destruction. Perhaps that could be a catalyst or perhaps as people grow more and more desperate and the economies take a major hit because listen, China knew about all of this pandemic stuff. They withheld this information. The AP reported that. Maybe there's more going on we don't know. I think it's a fair bet. I think you would be insane not to think that. Of course, there's more happening militaristically. They're not going to tell us. And I think it's one of the reasons that they've been very, I think one of the reasons the media, you know, YouTube, these big networks have tried to hold back certain information is because they don't want the escalation to happen too rapidly, or it could result in dramatic escalation. I'll put it this way. We saw potential reporting coming out of China that the coronavirus may have originated in a bio lab. And YouTube straight up says, we will derank, demonetize. We will hinder you if you try and talk about this. Sure enough, then we start seeing over the next month or so, mainstream media slowly dabbles in entertaining the idea. And sure enough, here we are today, Fox News saying straight up, they have confirmed it. Sources have said it did come from this lab, not as a weapon, but as you know, China was trying to ramp up their abilities and compete with the US, it got out of hand. We now know from the AP, China knew of human human transmission on January 14th and withheld that information. Considering all that, I think it's fair to say the US knows a lot more than they're letting on and they won't let us know. Because if we, if the American people found out about the stuff immediately and it was a major report, people would demand heads roll. So maybe we get to that point. Maybe nobody wants it. I don't know. But it definitely feels like the tensions are escalating. Hopefully we don't go that route. Hopefully things improve and everything goes back to normal. But I'll tell you what, man, 100 years ago, we had a, we had a virus. We had a, we had a world war. We had a, a depression. These things can happen. Don't let your optimism bias blind you from what may happen. So I hope you've all bought supplies. I hope you're all uh, watching intently. And hopefully it's just a, an exaggeration. Hopefully it's just that, you know, I'm focused on this and it seems like it's something more than it is. I guess we'll see how things play out. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel and I will see you all there. Donald Trump has just shredded Nancy Pelosi on Twitter. He is railing against her. And it's partly due to the fact that her and other Democrats obstructed the small business loan program, which has now run out of money. The Republicans wanted to increase the number. The Democrats obstructed for ideological reasons somewhat. And now they're out of money. So Trump is just tearing her apart. I got the story. Trump blasts House Speaker Pelosi as totally incompetent on Twitter, but that's not the most uh, devastating smackdown. It was this tweet. Donald Trump tweeted, crazy Nancy Pelosi deleted this from her Twitter account. She wanted everyone to pack into Chinatown long after I closed the border to China. Based on her statement, she is responsible for many deaths. She's an incompetent third rate politician. Woohoo! Trump getting spicy on this one. Check this out. In this post that apparently every, Pelosi had tweeted, everyone. we can see that she's, it, it's a, what is it? K, KPIX CBS 5 shows her outside saying, we want everyone to come down. Boy, let me tell you what. They want to rag on the president saying he was downplaying this. By all means, you're free to do so. And so were the Democrats and so was the media. Nobody wants to take responsibility for the positions they held when no one knew it was going to happen. Hindsight is 2020. 
But for Nancy Pelosi to remove this video, which I've heard from other people, that's apparently what the president is saying. Now that's stupid. Everybody knows you did it. Deleting the tweet only highlights that you did it. And now it makes it seem like you're trying to cover up the fact that you did it. Yes, she encouraged people to go out and it made things worse. The New York Post reports, President Trump on Thursday blasted House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as totally incompetent after she criticized his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. He said she is totally incompetent and controlled by the radical left, a weak and pathetic puppet. Come back to Washington and do your job, Trump said about the California Democrat and tweet. He also quoted Fox News' Sean Hannity's comments about Pelosi from his show Wednesday night. Crazy Nancy Pelosi, you are a weak person. You are a poor leader. You are the reason America hates career politicians like yourself, Trump wrote on Twitter, quoting Hannity. Now, now, hold on a minute there. It's, it's a bit harsh. I do believe there are many Republicans, many Republicans who deserve a smackdown as well. And you have many Democrats who are deserving of a smackdown as well. But Nancy Pelosi is, she's been playing politics throughout the past several years and doing nothing. So you know what? In this regard, well, Hannity and Trump are correct. I don't, I don't want to attribute that to Trump because it's a Hannity quote. But yes, Nancy Pelosi embodies the multimillionaire career politicians I refer to as the keys to the castle Democrats. You know that means it means they don't want to do anything. It means just vote for me. Give me the keys and I'll go sit in the luxury suite. That's what she does. She's super rich. Her and her husband are worth like 100 plus million dollars, mostly because of her husband. But still, why do you keep electing these millionaires who don't care about you? Why? I grew up listening to George Carlin. You say it all the time. They don't care about you. They don't care about you. They are millionaires. That's what they care about. Stop electing people like this. You know, there are people who are running who are progressives that I think have silly ideas, but at least I think they care about something. Well, I guess you can say, I guess it could be worse. Maybe you get one of these zealots or communists or something, and maybe it's worse. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. She does not deserve to be in office. She's 80. She's been in for a long time. She's done nothing. Her district is in shambles. What's the point of voting for her? You know, people really just walk in and check the box. The president also accused Democrats of playing politics with the Paycheck Protection Program, part of the Small Business Administration's rescue plan for ailing workers and businesses. Democrats are blocking additional funding for the popular Paycheck Protection Program, they are killing American small businesses. Stop playing politics, Dems. Support refilling PPP now. It's out of funds, he tweeted. The SBA said Thursday, $349 billion, the $349 billion fund is depleted and it can no longer process applications. Pelosi said, Pelosi said the holdup is because state and local governments and hospitals have to be included in the rescue plan. This is not that rescue plan. This is an excuse. They are lying. You want to put together a package for state and local governments, you do it. You want to increase what small businesses can get, that's different. The Democrats and Republicans agree on this, but for some reason, Democrats are obstructing. And you know what? Maybe it's because they like it. I get it. As soon as you tweet this out, you see all of these people say, how dare you? No one is happy about what's going on. All right, here's a proposal. Give money to small businesses so they don't fire people. Oh, you won't do it. You can't do it. It has nothing to do with what she's talking about. That's a different proposal. Why won't they support it? Maybe it's because they're hoping for massive unemployment so they can point to Trump and say this was his fault, as if the American people don't know what they're doing in Congress. Their approval rating is collapsing. Donald Trump's approval rating is way higher than Nancy Pelosi's, as well as Adam Schiff and many other Democrats. The people hate them. They're despised around the country. Yet for some reason, they just keep on doing what they're doing. Don't ask me why. 
Here's a quote. We have been very clear about state and local government's needs and the role that it plays in fighting the virus. The fact that there is revenue loss, as well as additional costs, resources to state uh, costs to, for the fight against, uh, against the virus, the pandemic necessitates that we allocate more resources to state and local governments, Pelosi said later Thursday. That is an important priority for us and for the, com- for the country. And so in the negotiations, that's a very important piece. It would be like if someone came to you and said, I would like to order dinner. How do you feel about pepperoni pizza? Everyone says yes. And then one person goes, but what about breakfast? And you said, well, I don't know. How about we talk about ordering breakfast tomorrow during breakfast? And they said, no, the breakfast negotiations must be included in what we have for dinner. You'd be like, this has nothing to do with dinner. Why are you? You know what? They're lying. That's what they're doing. They're trying to jam things up so they can shoehorn in policies or maybe just obstruct Trump and make him look bad and then come back and say Trump wasn't doing enough for local governments, even though it has nothing to do with the small business administration. But there's a lot of people who don't know better. I'll tell you what, Donald Trump got his name stamped on a bunch of checks. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know better. They're claiming that he, you know, delayed things. Apparently the the news is no, he didn't. Why am I not surprised that every time a story comes out, it's always the same. Fake news, fake news, fake news. There's a lot of people who aren't paying attention. They're going to lose their jobs. They're not going to know who to blame. The Democrats are exploiting this, at least in my opinion. Quote, we hope that the administration will recognize those needs and not deprive state and local as well as hospitals, as well as small businesses, have every opportunity to meet the needs of the people we serve, she continued. Pelosi has faulted Trump for his response to the coronavirus outbreak and for his decision Tuesday to halt payments to the World Health Organization until his administration can review whether the agency mishandled early reporting on the pandemic. She said the United Nations agency is an important asset in the global fight against this coronavirus and called Trump's actions those of a weak person, a poor leader, takes no responsibility, a weak person blames others. Nancy Pelosi is cognitively deficient and incapable of doing the job she's supposed to be doing. She's literally doing nothing while Trump is doing something. You want to criticize Trump's actions? Hey, at least he's trying something. I'll tell you what, if I saw two people, right, and it was, uh, let's say there was like a race, and one person was injured and struggling with all their might to try and make it. But boy, they were not doing well. And then I look over and the other person was just sitting there, kicking their feet, doing literally nothing but complaining the whole time. Who do you think I'm going to be rooting for? I mean, look, you can be doing the job wrong and I can ask you to improve. But guess what? The motivation is there to do the job. The other person's just complaining the whole time. Why would I support you? You, you want to you insult the president? Hey, he's doing stuff. Stuff is happening, Right. We've got a serious crisis on our hands that includes not just the virus. It's, it's, it's about the economy. It's about politics. And she's coming out and blaming him when it seems like the Trump administration has been the only ones doing anything about this. So who am I supposed to vote for come November? Look, I get it. A lot of people don't like Anthony Fauci. A lot of people think we got to be locked down forever. Trump wants to reopen things. I'll tell you what, when you look at Donald Trump, you see a conversation happening. Maybe Trump is wrong about this. Maybe he's right about this. Depending on which tribe you're in, typically, you know, people will will make their assumptions on who's right or wrong. Perhaps people are on the right tribe, the conservative tribe or whatever, simply because they agree with the position that the economy must be protected. I don't know. The point is, there is a conversation happening. But when you look over to the Democrats, to Schumer, to Pelosi, to Schiff, there's no conversation happening. They're offering up literally nothing. They're doing literally nothing. And this is all happening when people are losing their jobs and losing their lives. So I don't understand why they think this is going to benefit them in the long run. 
Donald Trump, probably because she said these things about him, comes out with this tweet, making sure he highlights she actually contributed very much so to this problem. We've got Democrats across the board who ignored this very late in the game, notably Bill de Blasio. But you know what? I'm not making a video saying, you know, Bill de Blasio, blah, blah, blah. I've criticized him in the past for sure. I'm saying right now, this video is about Trump slamming Pelosi because Bill de Blasio is fighting very, very hard to try and solve this problem for all of his faults. And I can criticize him for what he did in the beginning. You know what? He's trying. Same thing with Andrew Cuomo. He recently enacted some kind of executive order. Everyone in the state's got to wear a mask. All right. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of things he's doing, but I'll tell you this. He's trying to solve the problem. I can respect that. I can't pretend like I know better than de Blasio, that I know better than Cuomo. I mean, I think at the time when de Blasio was encouraging people to go out and party, many of us knew things were getting bad. Certainly Tucker Carlson and Fox News were a month early on this one. Do you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to drag him over this because he's come to the right side, you know, solving this, this, this problem, calling it out and trying to do better. What is Nancy Pelosi doing? Is she coming to the right side where we're going to actually fight together to solve this problem? You know, you can argue with the president and accuse him of not getting you the ventilators you need or something like that, or then, you know, go back and forth like Newsom and Cuomo have praised and criticized. And, and you know what? I respect it. I do. Because I know for sure Trump's not perfect. And there's absolutely things that need to be said. But you can also recognize when they say he's doing a good job on certain things. That's a real conversation. That's really getting things done. So my respect to Newsom, to Cuomo, to de Blasio, even though I may disagree with them on some policies, I can see them at least getting, you know, working together, to get the job done. But you know, my respect doesn't go to, it goes not to Pelosi, not to shift. In fact, nothing but my disdain because they are just in the way. It's the best way to put it. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes and I'll see you all shortly. In a story that will surprise absolutely no one, at least no one who follows me, CNN put out what appears to be fake news about Elon Musk, and Elon Musk went to war slamming CNN and bringing the receipts. You see, CNN publishes this story. Elon Musk's promised ventilators never delivered to California hospitals, governor's office says. Well, Elon Musk then slammed CNN saying, I'm surprised CNN still exists. And I'll show you his tweets. He came back with the receipts. Now, this story is interesting. CNN's response to Musk was, why are you getting mad at us? We just reported what the governor said. That's hilarious. Did you bother fact checking the governor? Oh, you didn't. And your excuse is what? That Elon Musk didn't get back to you soon enough with a comment. Let me tell you how these news organizations work. I've gotten these emails before. I've seen them sent out. You'll get an email and they'll say, hey, I'm about to publish a story about you. And someone accused you of doing a thing. Care to respond? And then like you're in the bathroom or something. You get out and you see the email and you're like, what, who is this? What is this about? It was from 10 minutes ago. And then you look and the story is live. And what do they say? Did not respond to comment and you're like, a request for comment. And you're like, you just emailed me. I've seen people send out emails at like midnight and the following morning publish and be like, oh, well, they never responded. And they'll say things like we sent an email and they never responded. Great. Let me get, let me give some advice, CNN. If someone claims like Elon Musk didn't give ventilators, Perhaps you should wait until you have a comment from Elon Musk or Tesla or whatever organization before you publish the story. Perhaps you could actually do, I don't know, journalism. Well, Elon Musk comes out and it's kind of hilarious. The first thing he said was, what I find most surprising is that CNN still exists. He then tweeted at Gavin Newsom, please fix this misunderstanding. He then tweeted this email. It says Los Angeles County Department of Health Services from Omid Afshar at Tesla to pfranks at dhslacounty.gov. Hey, Philip, 
Do you know if these ventilators went into use? The DHS of LA County says they worked great during testing today. We will put these to use tomorrow. What's that? You mean to tell me? Oh, what's this? Is this another email from Mammoth Hospital saying of, uh, of great concern to us is the prospect of people coming into our town from major metros with the thought that this is somehow safer to be in a rural mountain community. The potential increase in population to overwhelm our capacity to treat patients needing ventilator support. Your gift gives us a fighting chance. Gratefully, Tom, the CEO of Mammoth Hospital. Here's what he said. Uh, My thanks for the generous gift to our hospital from Mr. Musk and Tesla. These ventilators will be quickly deployed into our uh, in our hospitals and in in anticipation of the coming wave of patients who will be suffering from the severe effects of covid. Yet somehow the media, CNN and all these outlets did zero fact checking. It's the it's it's, it's the craziest thing. You do a Google search right now. What do they all say? Elon Musk never gave the ventilators. So here's a story. Elon Musk said, hey, uh, I'm gonna get you some ventilators. Gavin Newsom apparently tells CNN we ain't never got them. Apparently it's fake news and CNN did no fact checking. In response to this, all of these other outlets regurgitate the same fake news. Elon Musk published the receipts. Now, check this out. Mediaite says, Elon Musk attacks CNN for report his ventilators weren't delivered. Surprising, CNN still exists. With an update. They say, uh, they show a bunch of tweets. Musk then posted screenshots of two emails purportedly showing the Los Angeles County Department of Health Services confirming receipts of the ventilators. They worked great during test today. Other screenshots showed two hospitals also thanking Tesla for the gift. These ventilators will be quickly deployed, blah, blah, blah. I literally have the receipts. This is so dumb, Musk added. CNN has not yet updated its article with Musk's response. Update, they say. CNN's head of strategic communications, Matt Dornick, responded to Musk's tweet by writing, Weird to attack CNN for what the CA governor's office said, especially when your own spokespeople at Tesla didn't respond to requests for comment. Seems like your outrage should uh, be directed at the entity that made the claim, not at the one who reported it. You new to this? Wow. CNN's head of strategic communications doesn't understand how news works. Man, he must not have gone to J school. I didn't. And even I know that basic standards would be like three sources confirming, for instance, that the ventilators never came. Now I get it. It's hard to prove a negative. You don't know which hospitals were supposed to get it. So you got to comment. Uh, you're also supposed to wait until you have a comment from the other party, not just publish a quote from someone without fact checking. You new to this CNN? Yeah, probably. You guys are morons, but I get it. You got Chris Cuomo going on late night TV going, oh, I'm under quarantine and I'm sweating. Meanwhile, he's out partying with his family on Easter Sunday. All right, I'm exaggerating. Some dude saw Chris Cuomo out with two women and three kids. I don't know who they are, but he was on a property with no building, a property he bought in the Hamptons. I thought he was isolated. He actually said, apparently on, on, on Monday, he's like, I'm stuck in this basement. No, you know, Christina is getting sick. Dude, you were out hanging out with your family in public and some dude saw you and you confirmed it. That's what CNN is doing. So let me ask you again, Matt, you new to this? Do you not know how to this job work? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Communications. Ah, so uh, lying. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're lying. Yeah, that's easy. If you want to come out and you want to drag somebody, um, just say that you're a deceptive liar and that you say lies for a living to protect a business. It's what it's what everybody does. I get it. I'm not going to put that on you. Yes. Some people would call this public relations um, more commonly known as just lying. You know, this is my problem with politics and the media and everybody. They all lie. You guys ever see that movie, The Adjustment Bureau? I was actually starting to watch it the other day. I like that movie. In the beginning, it's, it's a Matt Damon. He plays uh, guys running for Senate. 
And after he loses, he kind of has this moment where he's just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. And he just tells the truth. And he's like, I'm wearing this tie because a consultant told me to do it. I'm wearing these shoes because a consultant told me to do it. None of it's real. It's all fake. That's reality. But that never happens. And it's a, it's a fantasy we see in movies where people are like, I wish I had authenticity. Instead, you end up with a bunch of people just lying all the time. I don't know why CNN wanted to do, wanted to do this. They just want to drag Elon Musk because he's an easy target. He's very high profile. He's super rich. They want to make him look bad. Oh, you're not doing the right thing. Stupid. Why don't you actually do news? Drop the stupid reality TV garbage of Chris Cuomo and his brother. Admit that he's not in quarantine because even he admitted it. Stop playing these games. How about you stop lying? Here's a, yeah, so uh, here's a quote. Perhaps you are unaware that Twitter has a search function. The hospitals themselves acknowledged receipt of the ventilators. Matt then says, are you referring to sleep apnea machines? The American Society of Anesthesiologists warned may increase the risk of infections. Whoa, 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 buddy. Did the emails say sleep apnea machines? They said ventilators. You got a problem? Maybe you should fact check. You new to this? Yeah, probably. This guy's not very smart, is he? Now I bring you to uh, the grand smackdown. KTLA5, April 16th. CNN is so inept. You know, I've done a bunch of CNN videos lately because I got to admit, they are they're in a downward spiral. In this story from KTLA5, took me but a simple Google search to find. Here's what it says. At a March 23rd news conference, Gavin Newsom said the devices, which can provide life-saving support to patients infected with the virus, had already arrived in Los Angeles and were on their way to hospitals in need. Quote, I told you a few days ago that he was likely to have 1,000 ventilators this week, Newsom said. They've arrived in Los Angeles, and Elon Musk is already working with hospital, associ- with, with hospital association and others to get those ventilators out. It's a heroic effort. So which is it? Who's lying? Tell you what, CNN. I don't know if the ven- ventilators actually arrived. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, Elon Musk was incorrect. Maybe Gavin Newsom was incorrect. But I'll tell you what, if you actually did the legwork and you saw this quote, the headline could have said something. Gavin Newsom backtracks, previously claiming he received the ventilators, now says he doesn't. Maybe you could have done that. Maybe you could have put more of the pressure on the, make, making the subject of the story, the governor flip-flopping. Instead, the subject of the story was Elon Musk failing to deliver. They say shortly after the dramatic announcement, Musk said in a tweet, China had an oversupply, so we bought 1,255 FDA-approved ResMed Philips and Medtronic ventilators on Friday night and airship them to LA. If you want a free ventilator installed, please let us know. They go on to say, but despite the claim, none of the ventilators promised by the Tesla CEO have been delivered to hospitals, according to the governor's office. Very strange because we have the receipts now. But perhaps that context is important that Newsom said in the past that they had been delivered, right? At at, at a March 23rd conference, Newsom said the devices had already arrived in Los Angeles. This is why we don't trust the press. Look, I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know who's lying. It's wishy-washy. It's flip-floppy. Gavin Newsom. There you go. He lied. You know why? Either he's lying now about them not receiving them, or he lied before when he said they did receive them. Okay, I'll, I'll be fair. He said they were in Los Angeles, but were on their way to hospitals. And he's now apparently saying the hospitals have not yet received them. Is that what, is that what he's saying? They have not yet been delivered to hospitals, according to the governor's office. Whose fault is that? Why are they trying to make Elon Musk look bad for what, what, uh, what may actually be their fault? At the, end, at the end of all of this, there's one universal truth that we can all understand. Dare I say, it may be uh, at this point beyond theory, but a physical law. In fact, contact the mathematicians, contact the physicists. I ask them to please 
Get this, get this uh, uh, written down and put in academia. In this universe, we can conclude CNN writes fake news, period. This is, this is now a law of the universe. I have decreed it. It is no longer theory, but fact. CNN pumps out fake news from the Cuomo nonsense to this. They're not interested in telling you the truth. They're more interested in just pumping out rage bait, sensational tabloid garbage. I'll tell you what, if I want to go read about an alien ship abducting the queen and delivering an alien baby, I'll go to the, to the, to the shopping uh, line, the conveyor belt at a Walmart. If you want to put out nonsense, but trick people into thinking it's real, I can get this anywhere, man. I don't need to come to you for it. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you all shortly. Perhaps this could be one of the strangest bets ever placed by a politician, or perhaps the smartest move ever performed by a politician. Donald Trump trying to court Bernie Sanders voters for 2020. I find this story remarkable and hilarious because you've got Joe Biden barely trying to get the vote of the Bernie Sanders supporters, the Democratic establishment basically wagging their fingers in the face of these Bernie people, insulting them and telling them no way. And Donald Trump actually trying to coax votes from Sanders populists while telling the left it's okay to hate Biden. You know, a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters are probably going to vote for Trump for one reason. I'm not saying almost or even a lot. Uh, or no, I am saying a lot, right? But I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to make it seem like there's going to be millions of them. Could be a couple hundred, could be a few thousand. They're going to vote for Trump because they want to watch the world burn. And they think Donald Trump is the chaos candidate. The same thing happened in 2016. You're then going to find a group of Sanders supporters who agree with Trump being anti-establishment. Not so much about watching the world burn, but to try and knock down the DNC so that maybe they get a chance next time. Then you'll find some people who actually agree with his policies on trade and say, well, Bernie was preferred, but they'll take what they can get. Joe Biden's not the right answer. He's more, he's an international like trade guy. He's, he's the Obama administration. Well, Donald Trump has found an opportunity in the Bernie Sanders left who are angry and dejected. And while people on Twitter smear and berate the Bernie supporters, I will tell you this. You will not. You, you, uh, many people may be surprised to see, but I doubt it would be. Well, it's not surprising to me. You will see Trump supporters fanning over Bernie supporters saying, what can we do to convince you? Meanwhile, the Democrats are saying you better vote for Joe or else you're irresponsible. And F you, you're voting for Trump, you bigot, calling them all the worst names in the book. Donald Trump supporters are going to put on their MAGA caps, grab a beer and say, hey, buddy, we may disagree, but I got a beer for you. Let's talk about it. Because the Trump supporters are smart enough to know that diplomacy will get them more votes. For some reason, the Biden people, I guess it's the TDS, right? The Trump derangement syndrome. Their emotions are running so hot, they've lost their mind. So all they can do is screech. It's going to cost you, a, it's going to cost you your, your 2020, man. The Examiner reports, even as the Democrats seek to unite behind former Vice President Joe Biden, the Trump campaign is going to work targeting Bernie Sanders populist supporters while discouraging progressives out of the GOP's reach from voting for the presumptive Democratic nominee. There is, signif- there, is a, a, there is a significant percentage of Sanders supporters, about 20%, who back him not for his policies, but for his anti-establishment and anti-status quo persona, said Republican pollster Frank Luntz. That's the Trump target in 2020. To win them, Trump and his supporters are emphasizing points of agreement on issues like trade while portraying Biden as a Washington insider who cheated Sanders out of the nomination, just like Hillary Clinton four years ago. Quote, President Trump is still disrupting Washington, D.C. Well, Biden represents the old tired way 
and continuing to coddle the communist regime in China, said Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale in a statement after Sanders suspended his campaign. Democrat elites shoved Bernie Sanders to the side for a second time, leaving many of his supporters looking for a new home. And I will tell you what, the audio was released. Donald Trump was scared of Bernie Sanders. He said it, his words. He's the one person he really didn't want to go up against. Bernie Sanders talked big on trade, just like Trump did. And Trump knew that overlap would be bad for him. So you know what? When Trump says they sideline the guy, I think Trump is being honest. Not that it's a manipulation to try and win over Bernie supporters. I mean, it is a little bit for sure. It'd be stupid not to assume that. But I think Trump's legitimately saying, hey, man, look, we agree on this issue. They don't. They're nuts. All right. They, they're the ones who tried booting you out. They do the same thing to me. And I think a lot of the Bernie supporters might actually listen, especially I'll tell you what, man, there are some Bernie supporters who have been on Twitter saying I refuse to support Biden. And hey, man, I respect that. I don't think anybody should be pressured into voting for anybody. You vote for someone you believe in. And Joe Biden, if you don't believe him, you don't vote for him. Trump, you don't believe in him, you don't vote for him. But what is the response from these resistance establishment crony Democrat types? Smearing, belittling, insulting. Yeah, okay, man, I'll tell you what. I will have a sit down conversation with a progressive thought leader all day and night about how the media lied about Bernie and about the Democratic establishment sidelines in. Oh, we'll debate policy and I'll disagree with you. But I'll tell you what, these people who would smear and crap all over the Bernie supporters are the same people who do the same thing to me, the same thing to any moderate, the same thing to Trump. I've seen, I've seen people, these progressive personalities, actually, not all of them, but there's a few of them who are really good people and have given a fair shake to some more moderates and some conservatives have an honest conversation about it. There are some people on the left who are totally legit. You know what? I'll give a shout out to the Hills Rising, Crystal Ball and Sagar Anjedi. They do a great show and it's like populist left, populist right. And they're honest about it. And you can disagree on policy, but they're honest about it. And that's great. That's all I ask for. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of these more honest populist leftists might say, hey, man, I'll tell you what, if you give me a choice between an elitist like Joe Biden, who can't even think straight and a populist like Trump, who's kind of a nasty dude, well, populism is much preferable to elitism. You're going to see tons of people saying, while Trump is bad in a million different ways, there is something fundamentally broken about the Democratic establishment and Joe Biden. I'm not saying everybody feels that way, but I'm willing to bet you find a lot of people who do. Trump put it more bluntly himself, quote, Bernie Sanders is out. Thank you to Elizabeth Warren. If not for her, Bernie would have won almost every state on Super Tuesday. The president tweeted, this ended just like the Democrats and the DNC wanted. Same as the crooked Hillary fiasco. The Bernie people should come to the Republican Party. Trade. Trump knows it. He knows they're big on labor and trade. And it's true. The Democrats never wanted Bernie. But you know what, Bernie supporters? Bernie never wanted Bernie. All right, maybe he did. But I'll tell you what, how fast, how, 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 how quickly did he bend the knee to the establishment in 2016 and 2020? You want to call that a revolution? If Bernie Sanders came out in 2016 or this year, maybe, maybe in 2016, he bent the knee because he was like, I'll try again in the next, you know, in the next cycle. Fine. Then Bernie could have come out right now and said to all of his supporters, vote third party. You know why? They're not going to vote for the Democrats. Some of them might, but you need a mass movement to attract, to break the two-party system. Now, I don't ultimately care too much about the two-party system. I don't like the control of two major establishment private organizations. I, you know, I get it. It is the way it is. And you can't break in if you're an outsider. Although when the Republicans, you know, with, with them, Donald Trump was able to do it. The Democrats have kept out Bernie Sanders. Bernie could have converted his movement into a major push for an alternative. And yes, it would have meant Trump would likely win because it split the vote. 
It would disrupt the Democratic Party and the establishment. He didn't do that. He could have done that. Perhaps the best thing for Bernie supporters then is to find a third party candidate who speaks to their values. And of course, the Green Party much more likely does. If you can see, if, imagine what would happen if in 2020, or in November, I should say, I, I mean election when I say 2020, imagine what would happen if the results came in and it was, you know, uh, 60 million for Trump, 30 million Green Party, 30 million Democrat. What would that do to this country? You would see a major shift in the possibilities. All of a sudden, progressives now seeing a chance to win in 2024 might actually go to a third party. That's how you need, that's how you awaken a third party. But, but listen, none of that matters because Bernie Sanders waited until y'all turned around to pull out the blade and put it in your back. And, and I know a lot of people are like, Bernie didn't betray us. We always knew he was going to do this. Bernie Sanders coming out and saying it was for a revolution. This is the revolution. We're going to change. We're going to fight for these things. And then to immediately bend his knee to the Democratic establishment, to someone like Joe Biden. Come on, man. You were played. It's time to admit it. They're not going to give you what you want. Even Bernie won't give you what you want. As best I can tell, Bernie's a fail safe for the DNC to attract progressives. So they give all their money to the establishment, to the DNC, to prop up Bernie, a man who will never fight for you. He betrayed his own supporters so many times. I'm not telling any of these people to vote for Trump because I'm not I'm, I'm not interested in, you know, we'll see how things play out. People have asked me who I'm going to vote for. I'll tell you this, to be honest, I'm closer to, you know, cons- uh, well, I'm considering Trump. I'm closer to voting for him than I've ever been. I've said in the past, I'd never do it. Well, th- times have changed and these people have gone nuts. I'm not there though. I'm still much more to a point where I'm like, you know, man, I can't stand any of these people. The risk to me, what I'm seeing now is Joe Biden, a dude who can't talk. And Joe Rogan, you heard him. I, I mentioned this several times, but it's a very important point. Not just that he's making it. Anybody could make it. Man, m- most of us would vote for literally anyone over Joe Biden. That dude's scary. Donald Trump has, has attitude problems. Donald Trump has behavioral issues. Sure, fine. And you can argue the guy talks not well, but the dude's doing stuff that works. The economy was going great. Trump has, has ideas. And though he may be impulsive, at least he's there. You see Trump, you say, hey, Trump, what's two plus two? He's going to go four. Why are you asking? You go to Biden and you say, what's two plus two? And he's going to go, oh, well, you know, uh, well, the numbers aren't the issue. We got a shortage. You get it. So will the Bernie Sanders supporters go to Donald Trump? I don't know. Check this out, though. Quote, about 20 percent of the Sanders uh, Sanders uh, Sanders vote supported Trump over Clinton in 2016 or stayed home. And they are still somewhat gettable today, said Luntz. But it will be harder this time because there are less of them. There just aren't many crossover voters anymore. Demographically, they are most likely to be male over the age of 50 white non-college grads and a significant percent belong belonged to a union at one time. They don't agree with Trump on all the issues, but they do agree with him on welfare and immigration. And they think he's a victim of a hostile media. Democrats believe they could avoid a repeat this time around because Trump's incumbency and how early Sanders backed Biden. Sanders was still running against Clinton at this time in 2016, just as she was still running against Barack Obama at this point in 08. And some Republicans are also skeptical. We haven't seen the same effect in our 2020 battleground polling, warned GOP pollster Chris Wilson. Only a handful, one to three percent of Bernie voters vote Trump in a Trump-Biden ballot. It looks like a big chunk of Sanders' 2016 vote was an anti-Hillary protest vote. And that explains the 2016 Bernie-Trump vote, Wilson added. Sanders' early endorsement of Biden makes all the difference in the world, said Democratic strategist Brad Bannon. 
In 2016, the war between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton lasted until July and gave the Vermont senator's supporters only four months to grieve, get over their hero's defeat, and do a 180 to vote for the Democratic nominee in November. Now Sanders voters have a full seven months to lick their wounds and get back in the fight. The other reason for a lower Sanders supporter defection rate this year, opposed to four years ago, will be four years of Donald Trump. For progressive activists, the reality of the Trump presidency in 2020 is a more compelling reason to vote for the Democratic standard bearer than the threat of a Trump presidency was in 2016. Another Bannon has a different message. Either don't vote or vote Trump, wrote former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon on Real Time with Bill Maher. The Bernie people helped make Trump president, and they're going to help make Trump president again because he's been screwed by the Democratic Party. I think we're going to see a lot of Bernie voters protest. And that's going to cost the Democrats. But, but here's the thing, man. Donald Trump was benefited by these Bernie votes. Without them, he may be in trouble because Trump won by narrow margins. But even the New York Times reported last fall that Trump's base today is bigger than ever. I think Trump's won over a ton of Democrats already. And he might lose the Bernie or bust people, but his coalition is bigger. We'll see how it plays out in November. I'll see you all tomorrow in the next segment at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.